We've got to give a reason to listen to our show. We've talked at length about budget and it's boring, yes I know. Winter break's not coming, hell it came and then it went. Now our podcast's back, so let's make it an event. With a song? Yeah. It's a new season here for Mac and for Troy. A new season and it's gonna be bad. We've got new bylaws and debates to enjoy And please, DR, don't send us a letter I'll talk about the taproot roundups that I send Rumors may be moot, but I'll spread them till the end It's a new season, so we're singing a gimmicky tune Way back in days of old, there was a legend told About when council cut police budget It's a new season for our councillors too A new season for self-righteous grandstanding There are new problems for debate, yes it's true But hold on, let's talk about our new branding We'll be here on the mics till city council breaks again they'll add more lanes for bikes that's not an if it's a when it's a new season and i promise the show will start soon it's a new season though it's still just us two a new season with no increase in budget what's our most well, we haven't a clue, but an ad will squeeze in and the downloads just fudge it. The council and the mayor, Linda Cochran and the press, retweets the blogs, the scrums, and we will never acquiesce. And the whole season ends with motions from our councillors, Don Iverson and our admin, based on evidence to redevelop key land based on solid urban planning principles. Eh, fat chance. It's a new season, so put on some headphones. A new season, and I'm ready to drone. A new season, so get comfortable, please, and let's go. (laughs) On behalf of everyone at Speaking Municipally, I apologize for what just happened. I'm Troy, and I'm here with my co-host, Mac. We're back for a new season of Speaking Municipally. We're a podcast about municipal politics in the city of Edmonton. Each week, we pay attention to city council so you don't have to. We'll tell you what they discussed and what we think about it. Now, if you're a regular listener, you're sort of wondering, why are you telling me about the podcast I'm already listening to? Well, it's a new season, so this is a new jumping off point. And, you know, this is another section where someone could start listening to the podcast. Hint, hint, if you have a friend who's not listening to the podcast, maybe share this episode with them. Maybe timestamp it to two and a half minutes into the episode. (laughs) As is typical on the Speaking Municipally podcast, we're going to open up with the rapid fire segment where we give a pithy recap of the most important events from last week's or the last three weeks in this case, since we were on winter break. The Oilers hosted a skills competition this week, but noticeably not present was captain, star player, and all-around good guy Connor McDavid. When asked why he wasn't attending, his despondent, bedridden response was that the Flames are still first in the Pacific Division, and what's even the point anymore? Train service will be out for the full day on January 27th as the city does yet another round of tests on the systems Thales delivered. Uh, It's expected to be about a day and a half of downtime each month over the next few months to accommodate additional testing. At this point, the city is essentially admitting that it takes longer for them to check 
if a completed system works than it would for them to entirely implement a new system from scratch and test it. Recall, they said they could have their own system up and running by March. Which begs the question, if they believe they could do this in three months, why did we spend millions in seven years to do this? Welcome to Edmonton, where the timelines are made up and the trains, they don't matter. The Hyatt brand is returning to downtown Edmonton in the former Enbridge Tower on 102nd Street and Jasper Avenue. While the announcement did say that the hotel will include both short- and long-term accommodations, it did not clarify whether pigeons were acceptable guests. This will be a key distinction to make in their business plan in the coming months, as 100% of Hyatt-branded hotels in Edmonton have failed due to a lackadaisical attitude toward pigeon management. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. As a member of the network, you get to hear two fine ads from us each week. This week, we're going to tell you about the Edmonton Community Foundation, which produces a great local podcast called the Well Endowed Podcast. It explores the impact of passionate people working to make Edmonton a vibrant city. Episode 36 features John Hall and Twyla Campbell, who will chat about their new book, Maps, Markets, and Matzo Ball Soup, The Inspiring Life of Chef Gail Hall. Check it out at thewellendowedpodcast.com. So we're back from winter break. Uh, council, they took a nice relaxing vacation, I'm sure. Uh, they didn't have us yammering in their ears about what they're doing wrong for the last couple of weeks. But given that it's winter, uh, something has happened in the past you know, several weeks, and that's snow and ice. Uh, and that's the first thing we're going to cover this week is the good old calcium chloride came back, but it came back with a bit of a vengeance. What happened this week, Mac? Welcome back, City Council. I couldn't just ease into it. I think that's what they hope to do this week. But instead, uh, Global News has been following this story for a little while, and they've uh, discovered a memo that said that the city was aware of the detrimental effects of calcium chloride on asphalt and concrete. But that memo was not shared with City Council. So you've got a whole bunch of councillors coming back this week saying, whoa, 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 we didn't know about this. The story... I find here is less interesting than the mechanism by which the story is told, because you had counsel who in the past have said, oh, you know, administration does too many things by memo. So, you know, it's not released to the public and it's just memos to the council. In this case, it's a memo between administration that didn't get shared to counsel. And this memo was pretty broad. It was basically an entire research paper showing, you know, the pros and cons of calcium chloride. And It also said that calcium chloride was sort of significantly more damaging to asphalt and concrete than administration led on during the presentations. The memo says roughly 20% more detrimental than salt-exposed samples. It found that calcium chloride-soaked samples had 12% deeper ruts and one and a half times the mass loss of sodium chloride-soaked samples. So there's quite a bit of detail in there about how this was bad. Um, It's kind of interesting to me the way that the response from council happened on this. I think the mayor initially... Uh, responded and said, well, they told us that it was within the bounds of the program, so to speak, and so it was okay. And then you had other counselors like, how come they didn't tell us about this? And it kind of speaks to the whole thing we've discussed in the past on this show about micromanaging. And should city councilors really be down to this level of detail, or should they be able to trust that the information that administration brought forward, whether or not they want to proceed with a pilot, is good enough? Well, to an extent, yes, except... 
a lot of the questions that city council asked of administration during the calcium chloride discussion were, well, is there evidence that this damages significantly more? To which administration said no. Even though they knew. Yeah. And this this memo, it came out well before that discussion occurred. I believe the memo was early in July or so. um, And then the debate happened a month or so later. So administration knew about this. And at that point, someone buried this memo because it's one thing for the memo to just not get sent to city council. Administration is allowed to talk to other members of administration within itself without looping in council. Yeah. But when council asks a question and then administration doesn't mention, hey, we've got this memo that has scientific data backing this up. I think we're in the realm of winter sand recycling. The former program where administration basically lied about cost savings for several years and then we ended up taxpayers on the hook for cost overruns and mismanagement by administration. Why this isn't a bigger deal in council's response, that's the real question to me. Well, Councillor McKean has said that he um, plans to make an inquiry as to why administration didn't share this with councillors. And I think you make a good point. If administration willingly withheld information, even when they were directly asked about it, that's a problem. You know, if this memo was one of the things that was produced in the progress or the process of looking at this pilot and it didn't make it to the person that was sitting on the other side of the mic in City Hall that day, you know, maybe there's some internal communication stuff that needs to be sorted, but I'm not sure it's necessarily malicious in the same way. Yeah. Never ascribe to malice what can be properly attributed to incompetence. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know whether calling everyone incompetent is necessarily better, but the other thing that sort of jumped out to me is you had, like you said, different counselors react differently. Yeah. Scott McKean, he's sort of taken the, you know, we need to look into this. And like you said, he's tabling that inquiry. Knack was an example of a counselor who's kind of like, meh. <laughs> His response to this whole thing was sort of like, yeah, well, we, we knew it was a pilot, so they need another year to investigate. Yeah, give them a year. Right. Um, which, well, it is what a pilot is for, no? Sure, yeah. The thing that's not being talked about is a lot of this is being lost, again, on the story itself and not how the story came to be. Whether or not calcium chloride specifically is a problem and whether we need to evaluate the pilot, yeah, sure, whatever. It's up in the air. It's a pilot. Yeah. The important part is that we need to be holding administration accountable and especially that our last big administration can't scandal where they were keeping council out of loot was winter sand recycling for snow control and ice control like this is an open wound here we should be on this and like i'm surprised that the city auditor's uh office isn't already involved in this but hey welcome back council maybe you're just taking a breather before you jump down administration's throat Some other stuff happened this week, Um, one of which is the bike share report finally came back. Uh, For those who weren't regular listeners of the podcast, this is something that I've been long excited about. It's essentially what it sounds like, bike sharing services in the city of Edmonton and how can the city enable bike share. It came up at committee. Were you listening to the committee? I didn't listen this time, but I read through the uh, reports as usual. Um, Interesting stuff from uh, from administration on this. They say, obviously, that this is a complementary element of an overall system. So we already have a policy around active transportation and a bike share is one of the things that could help us fulfill the goals of that policy. The other thing that's come up, obviously, is this council is quite keen on climate change adaptation and preparedness. And a bike share could be um, a, a key action to support that work as well. So 
essentially what the report says is administration went, they did some research, they looked at four cities in particular, Kelowna, Kingston, Ontario, Seattle, and Dallas, Texas, all of which are very similar to Edmonton, you know, um, and they had three options they put forward to uh, to the urban planning committee about how we might go about implementing a bike share. And this was interesting. I There was an event about two months ago now, which was just in a, I believe it was at Station on Jasper, and it was just a rally for bike share. And right. we had uh, Tim Querengesser, who was moderating the panel. Who and spoke then, at committee. Yeah, he naturally organizes all the bike share stuff. But then we talked to the uh, administrator from Kelowna who had implemented this program in Kelowna and like all the successes and failures. And it was a really interesting sort of discussion. The interesting thing about the bike share program is that they don't want any city dollars. Like private companies want to come in and do bike share. They just want permission. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting because the last time we had a technology company want to do uh ride sharing services it was uber and they didn't ask for permission right so at least we don't have you know a shirtless city council to look forward to in the near future but the important parts that i think were missing in some of these discussions that weren't really covered sufficiently in my opinion is we need to get ahead of the bike share the bike share companies want city council to regulate beforehand yeah because there's going to be bike lash as it were um and if you've been to seattle if you've been to san francisco you've seen how the bike shares and the scooters can be negatively viewed in the public eye with sure. a sort of like litter perspective you know there's bikes everywhere and how do you combat that and be proactive it's because they're dockless right so this new generation of systems doesn't have a a rack that they all park in they just are left places yeah it's they've got a rear locking wheel and then a gps chip so you can sort right. of just leave them anywhere right and now there's certain technology solutions you can have havens so even though they're dockless you might have to leave them at particular locations one of the things the person from Kelowna suggested is maybe put them at the end of the road where you can't park because uh you know it's near an intersection sure. and it would inhibit sight lines but a bicycle doesn't actually block a sight so those are some options that I didn't actually see city council really explore. Most of it, is, what what ended up getting passed is right now in our ravine system, you can't use e-bicycles because our parkland bylaw permits it. And anywhere you can't use an electric scooter because the Traffic Safety Act prohibits it. So the motion was essentially, hey, let's talk to the province and let's amend our parkland bylaw to allow for these things. Yep. But I didn't see a lot of sort of like proactivity on the bike share and actually moves to implement the bike share right and they said they'll write a letter to uh the provincial government to request an exemption on that it's good to see that scooters are included because that seems to be a really hot trend now in the transportation world so maybe as you say we'll be not so far uh, behind on on that item but i guess this is kind of council's role right let's set the table for bike share companies to come in and operate because private companies want to come in and basically do this at no cost yeah City Council is uniquely positioned to set up some incentive structures for themselves. So, for example, this is going to generate a lot of data. Like, for example, right. we could want to say, we want to get data about where all of your users biked, in aggregate and anonymized, of course, but maybe that will guide us for where we put our next bike grid. And that data, if we don't put up front in the permission and the permitting process that the city gets access to that data there's no way a private company is going to volunteer that data. Right. So without getting ahead of some of these things, I worry that as soon as, you know, as soon as the province and our parkland bylaw gets amended, 
to allow these things, those companies are going to swoop right in. We're on a ticking Uber time clock. At some point, we're going to be permissive enough for the companies to just come in. And I'd rather us be ready sooner than later. That makes sense. One other thing on this I wanted to ask you about, I noted in the report, it said no formal public engagement was undertaken as part of this jurisdictional and regulatory review on bike share, despite lots of public interest in bike shares over the last number of months. What, what do you think about that? Do you think they're just trying to prevent some sort of negative reaction like it feels a little bit like you said there could be a bike clash coming yeah right so i think there was public engagement done uh, because i've definitely talked to people at the city and i sure. know others have talked to the city i think they didn't put out the survey because we saw this on the survey about do you understand the bike grid and you know 60 percent of users said no, I don't understand the bike grids and bikes should get off our road this and is cars stupid. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know how drivers think about bicycles in the city of Edmonton. And it's just like, we want this to get started. We don't want it to die before it starts. So I, I appreciate that no public engagement was done. <laughs> a different take. Okay. Uh, and this is a thing that we've mentioned before and I'll mention it again I think all public engagement is pretty stupid overall and I don't necessarily agree that we should do any of it uh sitting across from someone who sat on the council initiative for public engagement maybe there's a differing opinion there a slightly different take on it yeah but at the end of the day at some point we have to think there is a place for expertise and there's a place for urbanist principles and we know that multimodal transportation and mode share and actually shared transportation networks are unquestionably a good thing. We shouldn't do public engagement on is bike share a good idea and will people use bike shares because we know the answers to that. We don't need to do an Edmonton-based research. What we do need to do engagement on is just like that place right by your house, that block, you know, is there an emergency access route we need to consider right there? We need the localized knowledge and that's great for public engagement, but that's that's a later problem. That's we don't need the public to draft a bylaw because the public isn't legislators. Like that's not their job. Yeah, I agree. Insofar as public engagement is really meant to inform a decision, so you have to actually have a decision you're about to make, and then the public engagement is not to make the decision for you. It's to gather evidence to help you make an informed decision. So you know, in this case where it was a, a jurisdictional review and they looked at some other cities, you know, maybe they could have asked. Edmontonians, like what great bike systems or bike share systems have you experienced other places that we should look at or or something along those lines. But to be fair, there's not really a decision to be made here. Um, It's interesting that you bring up that there's no real decision to be made here because we both sort of thought the same thing looking at this week's agendas. Yeah. These reports were sort of nothing reports. There was a report that came along with this bike share one, which is about bike parking. Right. And the report basically said, uh, the question was, you know, how can we enhance bike parking and what bike parking services do we offer? And the report came back and said, bike parking is where you can park your bicycles. The city of Edmonton offers bike parking. Thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a quicker council meeting. It, it does. Uh, but you mentioned it might be because they're just trying to ease council in with lighter loads. I don't, I don't know about that, but definitely it was very light on the agendas this week. Definitely. Though one of the things that came up, not necessarily on the agendas, but it's coming up in the media and it will be coming to public hearing soon, is three towers in Old Strathcona are, the rezoning is coming up for public hearing soon. And the plan is to basically, on the location on 80, 
5th to 81st Ave and around Calgary Trail, right across from the No Frills, that giant expansive parking lot. They want to put three towers there, uh, one 15 stories, one 18 story and one 20 stories. And there was some uh, backlash this week. The Community League is kind of like I told you so, right? Because when the Plan White thing came up, and we've talked about that on the show before, they sort of structured it to match the things that they had previously just approved, right? So that where the towers were, that's where they, you know, allowed new towers. And the Community League at the time felt like, well, this is going to lead to more proposals for these types of towers. And now that's what's happened. Yeah, there was some very choice quotes uh, in the CBC article. The Community League said things like, it spreads like a virus and, you know, <laughs> that there will definitely be more towers to come and that Mezzo and South Park opened the floodgates. Those are all quotes, by the way. Like we said, Plan White is a past document at this point. Plan right. White is our plan for the White Ave area. And these towers are in the urbanization district, which is the point of the urbanization district is saying this land is has a lot of infrastructure, but is underserviced in terms of residential and commercial. So it has the capacity to increase. So we're installing a tower on a parking lot. It seems like things are going according to plan. It does. Uh, And for the longest time, we complained about White Ave being, oh, you know, we're proving these towers in violation of the ARP. And, you know, we... We have these community plans and we're not following them. Now we have a plan. Now we have a plan and we're following it. Right. Uh, it's sort of struck me as a non-story. The other thing I think is interesting about towers is people hear the word tower and they immediately think like unfriendly, super tall thing. But when these things are built with podiums and there's some street frontage interaction, it's not quite the same loss of character that you might otherwise think about although to be fair if it's on a parking lot you're not really losing any character no it's it is just a parking lot and it's one that you cut across all the time and plus we haven't seen a lot of mixed-use development uh being fully implemented in Edmonton a lot of our new towers of course mixed-use developments with ground floor retail which is very good but we haven't seen the benefit of when you have you know six or seven of those mixed-use developments all concentrated in an area the liveliness that brings to the street vibrancy right because all of these are still under construction And these are going to be mixed-use towers. I tried. um, My Twitter friends were all freaking out about this, and I tried to care about it, and I I couldn't. I'm like, kudos. You're you're following the plan. I think this is what's supposed to be happening. I agree. Another thing you saw this week was about the police. Yeah, so this actually, we're recording Thursday night, and this came out today at the Edmonton Police Commission meetings. And as you were driving over here to record, I saw the journal and the star all post articles about this. So mm. I think this is going to be a big story. So, hey, we've got the lead on you guys, <laughs> but we release after you. So I guess we got scooped. It's the suicide barriers for the high level bridge. And this can be a touchy subject. Even when the debate was occurring, the debate didn't actually occur because counselors said, we don't want to debate this in public because we don't want to draw attention right. to these barriers. Right. And Some numbers came out from the Edmonton Police Commission this week that basically said they're not really reducing calls for service. That's not to say they haven't reduced suicides. Uh, We can't really know that because suicides, you know, there's a lot of protection of information on the way the data is tracked. Yeah. Yeah. But what we know is that the suicide barriers were installed late 2015, early 2016, Mm -hmm. and that in 2015, there was 121 calls for service. These are calls for service that are mental health related or, you know, a concern about a person's well-being or... People in crisis. Yeah, Yeah. those sorts of things. There's generally about 900 calls for service at the high-level bridge each year, and 
these numbers represent the subset of those that are actually for mental health crises and human crises. Uh, so in 2015, there was 121. In 2016, 104. In 2017, 114. And up till about September and October of 2018, there was 84. So there's not really any difference in those numbers there. Yeah, not statistically very different. Yeah, which uh, is unfortunate uh, because we want those to be reduced. But it also sort of goes to show that maybe we should have had this debate in public. And you had McKean, who really championed these barriers, say, you know, I sort of regret not looking at this further. Uh, the other interesting number is that in the 16 to 17 year, um, so there was that 114 calls for service that represented $2 million just in police staffing time. The astute listener will remember that we paid $3.5 million for the barriers that narrowed the paths, that obscured views. The next step that would have been like a basket outside the bridge that right. would have been more effective, would have protected the upper deck, all those things, that was $7 million. So in just one year of calls for service. I mean, calls to service wouldn't have gone to zero, presumably. Barriers are yeah. not. Baskets are not. There's going to be people in crisis that are going to call or the police are going to be called for, but maybe a reduction in that would have been. And the important thing to think about right there is that the operational costs for responding to these calls for service, it's very high. Right. So the capital cost of investigating the best solution, I don't think we should have really jumped at doing this sort of secretively to save that $3 million. I think it would have been beneficial to look at it. And maybe counselors are coming around to that. Uh, well, I hope. This conversation is going to come back again because of the High Line project, the High Level Line project that uh, was put forward during budget. And, uh, and council kind of said, you know, we're willing to fund this, but we need a business case and that kind of thing. Go work with administration. Come back to us. Um, and, if, you know, if something happens on that proposal, we could be revisiting how do we get pedestrians and cyclists and others safely across the High Level Bridge. Now, we're close to running out of time for our week back but we've got an idea for a new segment uh we've opened up with the rapid fire and we thought we'd tail it off with some slow burn some of the stuff that hey whatever happened to that sometimes these things take a while to go through the council and administrative process other times we lose the thread somewhere along the line and it'd be fun to check in on those items and keep you informed about them yeah so i was looking into just a few of the things that hey what happened to that and the first one of course is from our teaser episode way back in August of last year, it was the Wem Bridge to Nowhere. Wem demolished their footbridge uh, without really asking anyone, and they had the permit required that they build a new bridge to replace right. it, and Wem said, nah, we don't need that bridge. We don't need that bridge. And Council said, you need that bridge. And Wem said, well, we'll go to the SDAB, and they'll say we don't need that bridge. And then nothing really happened. And that's because they didn't go to the SDAB. It, the hearing got delayed. Uh, so the last update we've had is Councillor Knack updated us a couple days ago and basically said the hearing got delayed. It's going to be sometime in March to May. And if you want to talk at the SDAB, please go do so. But it's that interesting thing where council can't really direct or influence the SDAB hearing because right. division of power. So that's one of the things. Uh, next one, the Groat Road Bridge. Uh, I know we've talked at length about this in the context of, hey, council, do your job. So update about that dismount and walk sign. Still there. Still there. No one did anything. Um, cool. Uh, <laughs> is, Isn't the bridge shut down now? 
so the bridge is still um, operational, uh, but it's very much reduced. Very narrow. Part of the changes is they've closed the path that goes sort of perpendicular under the growth road bridge, the multi-use trail along mm-hmm. River Valley Road. So that's closed for the portion around the bridge. And now you'd think maybe there's a little like detour. There's like a golf course around there. Oh, maybe we'll talk about that another week. Some public land. Maybe? Yeah, some public land. But so there's there's a lot of space around here. Maybe there's some like crosswalks that could have been temporarily added. Nah, the city proposed a five kilometer detour for those uh, walking or cycling. Well, I guess they really are committed to making sure we're a healthy city. Yeah, well, because <laughs> you got a got a detour. Basically, you're on that path. You're jogging along, and oh, detour sign. I'm gonna go up these stairs through downtown, across the upper level bridge, and then down to the stairs on the other side. That's gonna keep me healthy. Logical. Remember back in September. Don Iveson posted that five-point budget plan on his blog and how we were like, wow, this is some pretty ambitious thinking because the first point was suburbs are going to pay their way. Yeah. Mac, did suburbs pay their way at budget? I don't think so. No, no, they didn't. (laughs) So Iveson, he floated uh, briefly that, you know, maybe the localized areas would pay a specific levy for rec centers. So instead of the whole budget funding Lewis Farms, just that area would fund that rec center. Council wasn't a fan of that. No, Um, other people didn't like it. Yeah, but so that was the end of his ambitions. There was no changes to like tax use classes for suburbs. It's kind of just like, yeah, budget's done. Um, So whatever happened to that five-point plan, Donnie? Um, It's slowly burning on the back burner. Um, but that's all we have time for this week. Uh, again, speaking municipally, we're a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And that means ATB powers us just like they power businesses in Alberta with their booster service. It's like Kickstarter or Indiegogo or GoFundMe for Alberta. It's a unique way to crowdfund and support local businesses and get special offers from the companies. It's designed by Albertans for Albertans. Uh, so you can check it out at ATB Boost r.ca you can check out who you can boost today that's all for this week but we've got some interesting taproody sponsored events coming up we are really thrilled to be working with chris chang young phillips who uh, produces the let's find out podcast another member of the uh, alberta podcast network we uh, as you may recall commissioned a few episodes with him uh, toward the end of 2018 really great stories and we enjoyed working with him so much that we're on board to work with him again for the upcoming season of let's find out So it's going to be nature themed. The theme is how nature shapes us. And we're kicking it off with an event in early February um, to hear from some speakers on this topic and to gather questions from the people in the room that will lead to the episodes that Chris produces. Yep. Um, We'll both be at that event. You're at the event. I am. Yeah. (laughs) I'd assume so. I'll be there as well. So you can come meet us or you can come meet Chris Changian Phillips, the Jeopardy champion. Still sore about that. (laughs) And if they want to hear more about Taproot Edmonton and the other things we're doing, where can they find out about that? Check out everything we're doing at taprootedmonton.ca and we're taprootyeg on your social media platform of choice. So Mac, are you excited for this new council season? I'm ready. Okay. I've recovered after budget. I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah. So excited. And you said, I'm ready. Hmm. (laughs) Wow. Excitement is a very particular feeling. Yeah. I don't know that anyone's ever said, I'm excited to hear what city council is up to next. But you, you dear listener, you probably are. And you can tune in next week and let your excitement flourish. Until that point, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.